0: When was the last time you had a big old pocket full of change dimes and quarters and nickels here here in Canada, we had something called, we have something called a loonie, which is a, which is a dollar coin. It's called a loonie because it's got a picture of a loon on the back of it. But when was the last time you had a pocket full of change? It's been a long time for me. I know some people still use cash, but I haven't used cash now for a very long time. And With the pandemic raging, I shudder at the thought of having a pocket full of germ-encrusted coins in my pocket. Times they have changed as far as our payment system goes. Many of us are now embracing a much more cashless society for all the good and evil that that represents. But for those of us in the online business space, all of the new payment systems and the cashless payment systems have been a boon. They are a, they are a underpinning technology that is allowing small and medium businesses to build online businesses and do financial transactions effortlessly, reliably. There are just a lot of great positives in the online marketing space as far as our payment systems goes. So today I think we're going to spend some time and we're going to talk through what is takes to get started with online payments and if you'd understand all of the different players there's a bunch of different classes of players and I'd like to have a conversation about that because I think it is one of the it it is one of the technologies that has blossomed over the last I'm going to say five to eight years and it has really enabled this entire revolution of side hustles and online businesses and the gig economy it all comes it, it would not be able to happen if we didn't have effective online payment systems uh, that we could easily access reliably and affordably. Steve Dotto here. How the heck are you doing this fine day? Welcome to Gray Matters, the podcast for baby boomers and Gen X who are interested in online business. We are interested in finding our place in the digital age. In this podcast, you'll learn about online marketing, community building, social networking, and more, all from our perspective. The world's changing, our prospects are changing, the job market is not interested in us anymore, and many of us face a reluctant retirement, and that is not cool. We need to take our years of experience and put it to work for us, a side hustle or online business of our own. We need to develop mad skills to adapt and evolve in order to thrive in this digital age. I can help, I want to help, and this podcast will help. It wasn't that long ago that I was struggling to transition from my former career in traditional broadcasting into online business. There were lots of bumps and bruises along the way, but I'm here to say it is a fantastic and worthwhile journey. I am glad you found us. How are you doing, Rachel?
1: I'm doing well, Steve. Um, I just want to throw out to our audience listening that the older you get, you find that there are things in your life you always need to have in a pocket or a purse. Um, and the thing I realized I need all the time is floss. Oh, so, yeah. and and I realized that because I had to go in for an emergency uh, cavity filling today. Oh, that's right. So. You
0: had you broke a piece of your tooth a couple of weeks ago. You were talking I about did. it on the show. Yeah,
1: I did. Yeah, it it didn't hurt anybody. So you know, if I like, I should say that differently anybody it didn't hurt me so it's not like my my broken tooth hurt somebody else that would have
0: been yes. really weird but
1: uh, yeah i got all shaped up but i i found yeah the older i get i'm like man if i don't have floss with me then i'm in trouble so I'm- yeah
0: as you get older things you know i was listening we were listening to the radio or music we had the music playing and an old rem song was playing and uh, the lyrics in it were let's play play twister let's play risk i it, and it's obviously a, a song that really will resonate with the baby boomers in the marketplace probably you as well mm-hmm. but, uh, turned to Shan I said you know let's I risk is fine but twister let's think mm-hmm. about twister for a moment at my age and so twister i twister game today would be put your right foot on blue put your left foot on green i'm tapping out
1: that's right I mean, like like it's nope it, this was fun yeah, the <laughs> let's hand, go play some the hand
0: will not get into the game
1: <laughs> well yeah it's i, I don't know I don't know that I've ever played Twister with my kids. I know we played Risk, so I am trying to raise them right, right, to teach them all these kind of old school games. But I have no interest in Twister. I don't think I ever did. So uh, those of you who have a fondness for Twister, sorry. <laughs> can't relate.
0: <laughs> so let's uh, let's jump into the week's news. What have, what have you got for us this week, Rachel?
1: All right. Well, um, I feel silly that we always bring up Facebook in the news, but, well, we can't help it. It just wants to stay in the news. Um, so... There was a Facebook data breach. Now, this data breach we're referring to that is in the news now is from 2019. However, that database of private information has hit the web this week and so uh people are you know freaking out understandably because uh facebook is a data company uh they keep a whole heck of a lot of data and so essentially 533 million people's private information is out there so um, we'll include a link in the uh, show notes but um the t- not only to the news story, but also a site you can go check to see if your information is out there. Um, but it, it's important to keep track of your info. Uh, granted we all hand it over to Facebook every day, all day, uh, and it got hacked and here we are. So, uh, what yet again, one of those kind of, uh, bummer things. And one of the, the link that you can go to is called, um, I have been pwned, I think, or you uh, have, been yeah. pwned?
0: have you been pwned? Yeah, we will, we will put the, uh, We'll put the link in it. And that, that that says if your personal information and your email address is in any of the data breaches of which there are many, many, many of them out there. So does is Facebook providing a tool for you to check or is it just you've been phoned? <laughs>
1: It's been, pwned. it's, it's been pwned. Facebook's been pwned. Uh, no, it's, have I been pwned? I haven't seen that they provided anything. It's just kind of like, oops, sorry, we've, we're on it. We're fixing it. Um, but just like you so said. This
0: includes people's phone numbers.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Geez. And, in I mean, God, think about how much stuff you hand over to Facebook all the time. And when that's out there, uh, it's easy to to grab it and particularly it's emails and stuff. And that's not good. It's amazing how much people can do with an email address. So
0: you'll get spammed with email, but now you get the spam robocalls coming in Mm -hmm. and I don't know about you, but I don't answer my phone anymore unless you are in my phone book. That's right. My, it, my voicemail message has changed. It's not, hi, this is Steve. I'm looking forward to your call. Please leave a message. I say, hi, this is Steve. I don't answer my phone anymore. If you know me, you know how to reach me either by texting me or send me an email if not, I don't even check these messages anymore. I don't know why I have a phone anymore. Anyway. I'm
1: so proud of you. That is exactly almost verbatim my voicemail too. I'm just like, text me or email me because you would have that information. Otherwise, don't try. But yes, yeah.
0: Yeah, or reach out to me, work harder, but I'm not going to be answering this number because <laughs> well, it, it comes up with just a number. I don't know who the hell you are. And I'm not going to let people know that it's an active number because then I get a ton more phone calls mm-hmm. if you happen to answer that damned robocall. Oh, Yes, data breaches will, uh, and, and you know, we probably know and have heard of a small percentage and the companies know about these, they know they've been breached. And then they don't release it to the public until their PR people have figured out and their lawyers have figured out their exposure. And we are left exposed for a mm. long period of time. It is That's right. so best practices, you know, changing your password, um, your master yes. password, using a password manager, uh, all of those sorts of things. We just have to keep doing it on and on and on. It's exactly.
1: Right. Everyone listening, please, if you have are using the same password and in, in, in two places or more, go change that right now. You know, what password
0: manager do you use, Rachel?
1: Um, so I think we talked about this on a prior episode. I still am using LastPass. I did pony up mm-hmm. the two-ish dollar t- and change to uh, be able to use it across computers and mobile, but uh, that's where all my passwords are, so. Yeah, I, I still
0: to- use LastPass and we use LastPass mm-hmm. on our team, which is, yeah, it, it would be quite challenging to move everybody because we share a lot of passwords and access to different accounts. Um, and if I was starting over again, would I choose LastPass? I don't know. Probably not. Uh, but I, it's still way better than nothing. It's like talking about the vaccines. Well, this vaccine is 7% less effective than the other one. doesn't matter. Just get it, right? Get yeah, the right
1: exactly. <laughs> well,
0: the password, it's like what they used to say about f- uh, cameras. What's the best camera to have? The one that's in your hand when there's the opportunity <laughs> to take the picture. Exactly. Uh, having a password manager, period, is a good thing to have. My story today is it's not so much a story, it's a trend that we see happening. And it's, uh, it's, it's a combination of things, Rachel. It's the nature of changing nature of cash. Mm-hmm. A little bit later today in, the, in this podcast, I'm going to be talking about online payment systems. And they, as I prepared uh, the content for, the, for the, different, the things that I wanted to share in online payment systems, I was constantly thinking about the changing nature of money and how money has mm-hmm. changed. And I, I, I I thought one of the things I think I might start the segment out with it, you know, how much change do you have in your pocket now? Or when was the last time you had change in your pocket?
1: Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't.
0: Yeah. (laughs) and and now there's good and there's bad to this i'm not going to sit here and proselytize saying a cashless society is a better society it is more convenient it's especially with covid i just can't even imagine having all that grimy coins in my oh. pocket and, and touching them it's, it's giving me the willies just thinking about it but I don't, you know, the, there used to be coins all through my house. They, I would put them in drawers. I had mm-hmm. jars full of them. And, uh, and, and now I can't remember last time I got coins period.
1: Yeah. I think the only time we have coins, we have some in our car in case we need to go pay a meet, yeah. but we don't even <laughs> do that anymore. And the it's problem a is don't have
0: the big enough coins in Canada. We have something called the loonie, which is a, a dollar coin. And we have a w, the, 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 the Toonie, which is a $2 coin, Looney and Toonie. And, uh, but in there, they're probably in a museum, but that's what you need. If you want to plug any meter of any sort, but most of them now have tap. So why the hell would yes. you, why would you worry about it? So yeah, it's, um, so that has changed now, along with that, we have seen with COVID as well, uh, a profound move to the cashless society. Uh, I pay for things always on my phone now, not only do I not carry coins, Cash itself, you know, paper money is also something that I just don't use a lot. And and I'm not a conspiracy theorist thinking that this is how the government is going to control us. I realize that the information that I'm sharing will be abused. It's part and parcel of the contract of convenience that we have in using these tools. And so you have to recognize that there's a quid pro quo going in. But the one, the part that I don't understand and I don't get, and I don't know if I ever will get, is really understanding at any deep level crypto
1: I uh, I'm right there with you uh, as a matter of fact I did my first foray I think I did I don't know if it's connected or not uh, uh, one of our fellow uh, people in digital marketing Brian Fanzo yeah uh, has his own cryptocurrency I think and he uh, oh, kind of said hey yeah, oh, yeah. and, and he, would
0: do that well, yeah he and he said
1: Yeah, yes, we should. Um, But yeah, and he he said, "Hey, if you're interested in just kind of ushering in, I'll I'll give you three of these." And so I did, and and I that's as far as I got. I'm like, great,
0: I'm in. So, Fanso's buying friends now. With his crypto. Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, another one of our friends, Joel Com, has a very popular podcast in the mm-hmm. space called Bad Crypto. Mm-hmm. And and Joel has been a proponent of it for quite some time, and their, their podcast is very well, well rated. But they are already at the point, when I listen to people talking about crypto, that they are so far into the rabbit hole, and they, in the vernacular they use, I feel this is one area of tech that this tech geek, this guy, feels completely disconnected from. And I, I think it's going to be relevant, but and it's going to be important moving downstream. But I, I'll share a story. I, the, the Washington Post posted about a uh, a, a just a, a horror story, which is enough to make me stop in doing it completely. Is a guy downloaded from the Apple App Store a cryptocurrency manager, which was actually a Trojan horse that stole hundreds of thousands of dollars of cryptocurrency oh. from this guy. And the thing about you know, if somebody steals money from my bank account, there's a really good chance that the bank and the uh, the authorities can track it down. The nature of crypto is if it's gone, it's gone. That's right. It is, there is no way to get it back. There's no way to trace it. So, I mean, that's, that's part of the beauty and part of the horror that is crypto. It can be used for a lot of Freedom-type purposes of mm-hmm. freeing people up and protecting your privacy, but I w- I wonder what a percentage of of uh, of use of crypto is nefarious rather than above board, and I I just don't know. I, I've got no evidence that it's being used more by organized crime or by bad people <laughs> than it is by good people, but. I have my suspicions.
1: I I think those are valid suspicions. I have heard a couple of my friends who have dabbled in it way more than me have said the technology is pretty fascinating. I mean, oh, blockchain you,
0: is awesome. Right. Yeah.
1: Money aside, there's a whole sector and future in that. And I do want to hear more about that. But I always think of like, you know how you you. Don't go buy the first version of anything because how do you know it's going to still be around? How do you yeah. know it's going to probably have gross bugs and whatever? And I know, I know, crypto's been here for a hot minute, but yeah, I, I still am very dubious. I share your skepticism with it too. But yeah. hey, and maybe knowing will be half the battle for us. I and I,
0: I'm the first to admit that as a generational issue, I'm a little bit afraid of it. I'm intimidated by the technology to a certain extent, which just tells me that I better dive in and figure it out because I don't want to be, (laughs) I don't, I I always want to be in charge of my technology and never have my technology in charge of me. But with crypto right now, I think it's going to be a little bit of a struggle before I get to the upper hand with crypto.
1: Same. Yeah. But like you said, might be a good opportunity to have somebody who knows about this stuff. Indeed, it
0: might be. So do you have another story for us?
1: I do. So uh, this one's interesting. And I will, um, first of all, self-disclaimer, I do not own a smart speaker, uh, nor do I own the ring system that people have at their houses. Do you have either of those things or both?
0: I've got smart speakers. Uh, we use the, I use the Google ones in several different, uh, in several different ways within the house, primarily attached in the, in our family room attached to my, I've got a Sonos, uh, soundbar that mm-hmm. I play that we use for playing music in the house. And, uh, so I, th- that is attached to Google, which is attached to my Spotify account. So mainly for the music. Ah, uh, we and and mainly to ask questions and solve arguments. We with a lot of <laughs> is so and so still alive. We ask that question all of the time of the Google smart speaker, and it's very good at telling us who's alive and who be dead.
1: We'll see whatever you need it for. Right, uh, is is important, but. This was interesting. So Amazon, of course, has their own smart speaker, the Echo, right? Yes. And um, and they, uh, they're also in charge of having ring um, technology where people have the ring. You know, you can obviously see who's in front of your door, but I think you can automate some other things throughout your house. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, I don't have either of those. But what they're developing is something called Sidewalk. And it's a network technology that basically would allow you... And the people who live immediately around you, like in other homes and residences, probably businesses too, to um, crowdsource your network so that as you're all using your smart speakers or rings and things like that, anyone who's got weaker signal could kind of piggyback on the network that everybody else is using. So that if you think about it, it's like cell towers, right? Where if you have a big gap between cell towers, there's going to be some spotty coverage for a mobile, your mobile devices and your, net, your mobile network between those cell towers. Uh, same kind of thing happens here where they're hoping that, hey, if more houses near each other have our Echo smart speaker and or the ring technology, they can collaboratively kind of make sure everybody has consistent network connectivity. What do you think about that?
0: I'm reading the story as you're talking and I'm, i I have creepy crawlers running up and down my back <laughs> I because, because here's the thing it, it what they're saying is, and you can, maybe you've read more about it than I, but sidewalk is compatible inside. It, it'll track it, it. It's designed for the echo and the uh, ring product. So it's designed okay. for Alexa. And the ring mm-hmm. security system, and it it will extend the range of those services up to half a mile. They're saying, yeah. uh, which I, is it going to be like? If it's following somebody on the on the camera, is there going to be camera switching and following somebody? Is it used for geofencing so you can tell where your cat is if you put a smart little tracking device or your child with their phone as they leave with the area that you've geofenced them in? There's some obvious uses that might work. And, and then using a mesh network as opposed to a cellular network to be able mm-hmm. to define that, I can see that there would be some value there, although lots to concern yourself with as well. But the thing that scares me the most about this particular story is it is an opt-out service, which means you actually have to, it, it, by default, it's turned on. Mm-hmm. Within systems. And anything like this that's automatically turned on, I'm going to tell you right now, very soon, Amazon will say, yeah, you know, we thought that through and it's no longer an opt-in. It's an opt-out, it's an (laughs) opt-in. I know.
1: know. It's freaky. And uh, I love there's a, and we'll we'll again include, we'll include the link to this story in the show notes, but uh, there's a sentence that says, it's hard to speculate on Amazon's end goals with all of this. And how its product announcements could work together, I'm like, oh, I'm speculating already. But it does mention AI-enabled surveillance and things like that. I just, I do, I get, I feel very squeamish about this. I I like the fact of people being able to crowdsource and be connected, but not when it's speakers that can overhear me in the privacy of my home or cameras that I have set up around my property. I'm just not Cool. So you
0: are not going to be excited at all about some of rings, new systems that they have coming in place, such as, you know, how you have a Roomba, uh vacuum cleaner that goes around and cleans your house. Mm-hmm. Ring has a in-house drone that will take <laughs> off and fly through your house on a pre-programmed route, sending you video back and checking on different things within your house. <laughs> now just 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 think about that for a moment now it, it, if you have an elderly parent it's you'd say man this is this is the cat's meow but um, if you
1: have a cat that yeah, drone's but if, out you, of there. But, but
0: if you have a philandering husband it might not be quite as it might not oh. be although you would definitely hear the drone coming in and it might it might stop any <laughs> amorous activities from happening but uh but you know just checking on you know that you've i mean it would be great to say you know did i turn off the stove. Uh, But there's other smart technology that will do that sort of thing for you. But the ability to, you know, and this thing will fly back to the dock, land in the dock and recharge. Um, And it's not yet released, but they're sharing video on it.
1: Oh, I, I just... There's a line, you know. There's, I think, there should be a line. No, there isn't.
0: See, that's it. (laughs) See, there is There's your problem, Rachel. I know. I have a problem. There is a line.
1: I want there to be a line.
0: The line is where they decide it is, and it's the technical limitations. There are no moral limitations to these folks at this point. Uh, Well, uh, other than the ones you know, and we will vote with our pocketbook. Yes, and uh, and with our outrage. uh, But uh, it is. yeah. Uh, well, I'd like to apologize
1: to my neighbors right now. I am not going to be offering my house as part of your crowdsourcing and sidewalk with Amazon. Well, you're going so, to be opting out.
0: You're going to be If you even had the Amazon Alexa, which you do not have, the, the Echo, you don't have it there. Wow. Dude. Well, good story. Uh, if you are looking for these links, and I imagine a lot of people are going to want these links to this fast company article about the uh, Amazon Alexa and the sidewalk network. If you point your browser to dototech.com forward slash 63, gray. All of the links that we cover in the show will be covered within that document. And you can uh, there, you can also reach out to us and email us any questions or comments you might have. Uh, We're going to take a quick break. And when we return, I am going to do the best job I can explaining to you one and all about the entire world of online e-commerce. It's a big topic but explaining it from a online marketer in a, in a side hustle in a, your own online business perspective, the tools that we use to collect and distribute money today in 2021. That's coming up today on gray matters. Do you need a little more Steve time? I get it. And I have something for you. Do you know that we host a free live training almost every week? This is a fact. Most weeks we host a free tutorial webinar covering productivity, content creation, and online marketing. It is called Webinar Wednesday, and you can find out about this week's webinar by visiting dototech.com slash webinar Wednesday or check out the links in the show notes. You know, Webinar Wednesday has become an online institution. I've hosted over 160 of them and we are still going strong. I know! It almost sounds too good to be true. Free training every week and a chance to learn more about productivity, content creation or online marketing and more Steve? Oh, pinch me. I'm in a little bit of heaven. The links are in the description or visit Dottotech.com Webinar Wednesday. Business does not get done if payments cannot be made. And back in the day, back when we started out in business, a lot of us in the 80s or the 90s, payment systems were a major undertaking. You had to, getting a payment processor that would process credit cards, you had to jump through a huge number of hoops. And it was a very expensive, It was a very expensive process for us to be able to take credit card payments or debit card payments. It was mainly for point of sale uh, people, for people that were in stores uh, to to have access to it. But those dedicated systems, were they were almost monopolies in the fact in, in how once you were in, you were tied to them and you really had to march to their drummer. With the advent of online business and side hustles and the whole the whole e economy, we started to see a uh, kind of an uh, an erosion underneath the big players, the people like Moneris, who really held a stranglehold on the payment systems. Because small people, small people, <laughs> very short and tiny people, small business people. Uh, it needed a, needed a mechanism that they could embed payment plans, payment systems within their websites. They needed to have some sort of a shopping cart functionality. And so a variety of different businesses grew out of that. The first and one that we'll recognize the most is PayPal, but there are some other ones in the space. But PayPal has really grown to be a very important player in this entire mix. And it's it's, it's almost a shame because there's a lot of good that PayPal does. But PayPal can also be a bit of a frustrating beast to deal with, but one thing overall it is, is easy to use and easy to integrate. It made it easy for us to set up payment systems on our website, for our courses, for anything that we were selling online and getting paid, it made it easy for us to do and it made it easy for people to pay. Now there were some trust issues, certainly earlier on people had some trust issues with PayPal but I think most of that has gone by the wayside. I think overall our our trust index for online payment systems has has grown for the most part. So today what we're going to do is I'm going to walk through really our business and, and the way that we use online payment systems and the tools that we use in each place so we can kind of open your eyes to a lot of the different ways that you can use online payment systems. Now, I think we're a good example because we here at DottoTech, we sell online courses. We have a membership program, which is recurring monthly payments. We do events. We sell events uh, such as w- our webinars, and we have some merchandise that we sell. And we also do local events or did local events when one could, uh, when we could gather locally. So we had a very light. Point of sale system as well that we could actually take physical payments in in a, in a location. So we've had to put all of the different pieces of technology in place for each of these, and we've had to integrate them with our business systems. And where you used to just kind of choose one ecosystem and work within it, now there's a blending. We ha- we have our payment system that works with our CRM and with our web web host, and so all of the different systems kind of weave together. So we're going to be walking through that. We're going to a little bit of a, a little bit of a narrative today as we go through that. So what do we need to do? What do we need to do in order to set up online payment systems? Well, let's talk about the, the process first. We need to collect money. Obviously, Steve, you're the captain of Obvious Land when you say that, but we need to collect money uh, and then we need to take that money and we need to transfer it. We need to transfer into a bank account, into our bank account. Now when we first collect money, it's going to be held by whatever payment system we have, so we need to have access to that payment system and be able to transfer money into and out of that payment system. Now the money needs to be collected locally. You have to have some sort of functionality to collect money if somebody is attending an event in person or purchasing something off you locally. It has to be be able to be embedded in your website in some sort of a shopping cart form in your website if you're selling digital products or you're selling online merchandise that's going to be shipped to people. And all of those systems have to integrate with the rest of your business systems. Now the bank is of course a really important part of the process. The money gets collected by a payment processor and then it has to be transferred to a bank. And that was one of the disconnects that we had early on. We would bring money into PayPal but PayPal didn't always make it really easy for us to move the money from PayPal into our accounts. Now. Those of you in the United States might be saying, well, it was never a problem for us. PayPal always worked perfectly well for me, even back in the early days. Yes, PayPal worked great if you were a US business running all US funds within the states. But we are now international. We have our business from all over the world. So we collect money, typically in one currency, typically in US dollars, but for us, we would then have to take those US dollars, convert them into Canadian dollars, then transfer them into a Canadian bank. And if you're in the UK, you'd have to be doing that with pounds, and if you're in Europe, you'd have to be doing that with euros as well. Now, in those economies, you might choose to collect all your money locally in British pounds or in euros, but for the most part, online businesses now run on the U.S. dollar. It's kind of become the standard. So regardless of if you choose to do it the other way, you have to find a way to collect U.S. dollars and convert them into your local funds. So there was always a challenge for that. And PayPal actually made it incredibly difficult for us to do because they, PayPal had the insistence that they would not transfer U.S. funds into a U.S. bank account in another country. At least, I can't say for sure they didn't do it for other countries, but in Canada, with the laws between Canada and the U.S., PayPal would collect money in U.S. funds, and then they would insist on doing the conversion into Canadian funds before they sent it to my bank. Even though I have a U.S. funds account in my local bank, PayPal would make me convert it into U.S. funds before, uh, into Canadian funds, excuse me, before it was transferred. And that might be, it might seem on the surface to be okay, except for one thing PayPal gave me a terrible, terrible, I'm going to repeat once again, terrible exchange rate. And so I would lose money each and every time I transferred money because they would basically take their cut. If I could get the money into my Canadian account, into my US funds account in Canada, and use other conversion tools within Canada, I could get a much more favorable rate, and it made, the, it made hundreds of dollars of difference, say, on a $10,000 uh, transfer of funds. So it added up over the year to be a fairly significant difference. Now, while I did not really appreciate PayPal's business practices with charging me what I consider to be an egregious transaction rate, I did appreciate the simplicity of PayPal and the effectiveness of it as a platform made it very easy to manage my customers. For example, issuing refunds is is a piece of cake. And frankly, transferring money, sending paying people uh, that uh, sending transfers from PayPal to other people or transferring the money into your own account is is procedurally a very simple and straightforward process. Now, PayPal was the first online payment system that I worked with, but since then, there have been two other payment processing tools or services that I've grown quite fond of. One is Stripe, which has, I think, kind of established itself as the premium online payment system, at least for online marketers and content creators. It does great credit card integration. You can create widgets and management systems to plug into your website, or it integrates with a variety of other shopping carts which we will be talking about in a few moments Uh, so stripe and stripe doesn't seem to have the same deposit issues and uh constraints as paypal so it's very easy with stripe to to transfer money into your accounts, uh, into your bank accounts, and the integration with the accounts is actually two ways. So that if you do a refund through Stripe, they've already paid you the money because they tr- they deposit the money very quickly into your account. If they need to do a refund, they'll actually withdraw money back from your account. So it's a there's a much tighter integration with your bank account using a t- a tool like Stripe. Now, what Stripe doesn't do as well as PayPal is it's harder to use Stripe for doing making payments to others. You you need more than an email address to say, just take some money from Stripe and send it to somebody else. So for interpersonal payments, PayPal tends to do a better job. Each one of these these payment systems does a better job in one silo or another. The third online payment system that I have an account with that I use a lot is Square, and it, again, is very different. It will do most of the same things as Stripe and PayPal in collecting credit card money, but it also has a very simple to use integrated POS system or point of sale system, which includes different credit card readers or debit card readers that people can tap on. You've probably purchased something at a street fair or used your debit card in, in, in a mobile application. Chances are that when in doing so, you've used the, uh, the vendor's Square account, where they have that little white square white box, and you simply tap your card or your phone on it with a payment app running, and the deposit is made directly into it through, through Tap. And so Square makes that available to just you and I. We use it. I use Square for meetups, if uh, we charge $15 or $20 or $25 for different meetups, when people show up, we have somebody at the door with a Square reader and as people come in, they tap their debit card and they make a payment to pay for the event that they are attending. It's great for in-person payments. Now this class of tool, these payment systems are just one part of our ecosystem that we have to develop in building a full online, uh, online payment system for our business. The payment systems themselves are great at collecting money, but they're not necessarily great at managing your inventory or managing your products. For that, you require a shopping cart for the most part. Now, shopping carts are applications where you can create products to sell. They can be physical products that you have a description in a, in a in a parts number for and you manage and track the inventory from at the at one end of the spectrum. At the other end of the spectrum, shopping carts uh, allow you to download or to upload to people digital products. If they buy an online course, it will give them access to the membership area. If they buy a digital book, it's, it facilitates the download of the book. So shopping cart tools are very important. Now, depending on what system you have set up, if you're selling online courses, most online course providers, the the people who provide the software, include some form of shopping cart with their service. So you can actually use their own system to create the purchase, to create the the form for people to enter their credit card information. Then what happens is there's an integration between that company, between between the online course company and whatever payment system you have in place. So now we're starting to integrate into into tie one product to another product. So within some applications, we have these shopping cart functionality, but there's an entirely other class of tool available that are shopping cart tools, that are tools that are just designed to create shopping carts, and they integrate with both the learning management systems and the membership systems and the payment gateways as well. Now we use one called ThriveCart, which we purchased. There'll be a link in the description. It has been a joy to use because like Stripe, Thrivecart includes great Reporting and metrics, so that we can see quickly reports on how different products are selling. We can manage the accounts. We can uh, we can capture customer information as far as capturing their email address. They can do refunds and returns. We can manage on uh, we can manage episodic payments or recurring payments. And people can go in and they can manage their own account and say if they are canceling a subscription that they have with you. They can go and they can do that themselves. And ThriveCart does a great job of handling all of those different needs quite effortlessly. It is a it's been a real joy to integrate into our systems. So rather than having multiple shopping carts for every type of service that we have, we have one shopping cart tool that we integrate with the other services that we have, so that's another important piece. There's a few other competitors, but I think ThriveCart, uh, for the price that it is, which is a one-time payment of I think it's around five or six hundred dollars, it has just been a phenomenally, uh, phenomenally good investment, as far as I'm concerned. Now that brings us—we ca- we have now the ability to sell products using ThriveCart as a checkout engine, uh, going into our payment systems, of which we've discussed the three: Stripe, Square, and PayPal. There are others that you might already have a have an account with that you could use in this place. But there is one other class of service that I think really completes your your financial setup, your online financial setup, and that is. Uh, it used to be called TransferWise, but now it's called Wise, and this is a relatively new service. It's about ten years old, but oh my gosh, for international business, it has it—it's it, just solved so many questions. So here was the problem before is I got paid into PayPal, let's say, for example. Now I had to take that PayPal money, transfer it into my own personal bank account, but I also had to take it and I had to pay others. I had to pay my subcontractors and my suppliers because I would prefer not to use a credit card for those payments because often they're in Europe or they're in the United States or they're in the Philippines and the conversion charges on your credit card gets quite expensive and it's also sometimes in their large percentage, like at least 2.9% is taken to clear those credit card fees. And so it just, it costs a lot of money to move money around. If we wanted to send wire transfers to people or bank transfers, those get inordinately expensive. So moving money around, especially in the micropayment universe that we're in, becomes very expensive. You know, just sending somebody who lives in the UK $75 for something that they did for you, that used to be quite problematic. Along came PayPal and PayPal allowed us to do those transactions quite effortlessly, but PayPal would again take their chunk of change out of that, and if you had to convert the currencies, we've already discussed those issues. Well, along comes a company called TransferWise, and TransferWise For The way that I look at it is it basically sets up for anybody anywhere in the world, it sets up a terrestrial bank, like a bank account that they can have in the United States without living in the United States. It's based in New York, is the address, so you can set up a U.S. or any currency account in TransferWise that you can then use to distribute funds to different locations. It's really an online uh, online Funds Distribution Network is the way that I use it. So here's what happens with it. It integrates, again, with your bank account, or it'll integrate with, uh, directly with PayPal. And PayPal, in this particular case, because it's a U.S. service, will transfer U.S. funds directly out of PayPal into TransferWise. So when we get paid in Stripe or in PayPal, I have that money, instead of transferring it to my bank, I typically will transfer it straight to TransferWise. Why would you do that, Steve, you ask? a good question. Most of the money or a big part of the money gets distributed to our team or gets distributed to my subcontractors. Each of them also has a TransferWise account. And here's the beauty of TransferWise, that I can make my payments to them using TransferWise. And it's a bank to bank transfer that if they have a TransferWise account, costs zero and happens instantly. So I can transfer funds to people in Europe or in the Philippines or in the UK or in the USA, and it doesn't cost them any money for the transfer, and it doesn't cost me any money for the transfer. And it's TransferWise is essentially a free service to sign up for. It is brilliant. Now, how do they make their money? They make their money on some other types of transactions that that occur that businesses will use. But these basic distribution of funds is free and so elegant in TransferWise takes a little bit to set up. We actually have a video on YouTube which we will link to, but it has been a game changer as far as I'm concerned. Now, it's even more exciting if you live in Europe or if you live in the United States because TransferWise will give you a debit card uh, based on your account. So, typically what happens now is if I send you money via TransferWise, you would then collect the money into TransferWise, it wouldn't cost you anything, but then you'd have to take that money and then transfer it to your own local bank account. So there's another transaction that happens. You might have to convert the funds from U.S. into your local currency. TransferWise does that at a much better rate uh, than, say, PayPal does. They do it at a very competitive rate to the bank rate, so we aren't being, quote-unquote, ripped off at that particular point. But you do have to go through that process. Or if you have one of the TransferWise debit cards, and as I say, you can get them for Europe and the UK, you can get them for for United States. Unfortunately, we don't have it yet in Canada. I am absolutely jonesing for this debit card because once you have that debit card, you can use it as your bank card. So you can make payments directly into different services from TransferWise, and at that point there, you're using TransferWise as your bank account. Now. Unlike your local bank account, they will not pay you interest on your deposit. So that's one place that TransferWise makes some money, nor can you have overdraft protection or anything like that. But talk about convenient, the ability to be able to use the TransferWise debit card directly. And I believe they're also working at establishing and putting in place a TransferWise credit card as well. So that is the hierarchy of our system. You start with the payment systems, the online payment systems, Stripe Square PayPal. We then have our shopping carts where we sell products. Now that might be a service that we use like our membership account or our our LMS, our learning management tool, where people sign up and purchase from you. And we manage the shopping cart, the sales through that, which transfers the money to our payment systems. Or you can have a shopping cart tool that sits in between. And finally, at the very top of the pyramid, we have this financial distribution network, which is Used to be called TransferWise, now they just call Wise, that does a terrific job of allowing us to distribute the funds and get them where we need them and when we need them. I gotta tell you, these systems have come so far, even in the past five or six years, as far as accessibility, ease of use, reliability, and public acceptance. People are far more willing now to accept using electronic systems for payments than ever before. And I just don't think we're ever gonna get back to that point of having all those coins rattling around in our pockets. Let's put a button on this particular podcast. I, I really got in down in the weeds, I think, a little bit there with that description of of online currency. But you know something, Rachel? Here's the thing: is when I stop, it's it's like we started out today's podcast talking about where we were when we used to use coins, mm-hmm. you know, back in the day. And when you're in the middle of it, I think we're almost like that frog that the boiling frog that you don't notice it. The amount of change. That's happened just in the last seven years with how we handle money, our trust level of money and what we can do with money and how the barriers for entry for doing it on any business, the, the, the cash perspective of the, or the payment perspective of that has become just so, so many options and so mm-hmm. simple. And if you, if you can imagine it, you can do it.
1: Yeah. You're spot on. We're living I would say the best time thus far for that accessibility, because I was trying to think during, while I was listening to uh, you talk through all the systems and stuff, I was thinking, I'm like, when, when do I write a check anymore, oh. And right? <laughs> and it's like, it's for full stuff. Yeah, it's I write my write one for like something at the school, like my kids' yearbook. Maybe some butter braids that like some you know friend of theirs is selling. But that's it. I don't write. Paper I don't even know what
0: anymore. a butter braid is. What
1: the <laughs> heck is that? Oh well, anyone listening who has ever uh, tried to help support some kind of fundraiser of a school kid, they sell butter braids. They basically sell you the dough, and then you just go bake it, and it makes a very fattening, amazing, overpriced. Uh, uh, what am I trying to say? That. Uh,
0: like a twisty bread, like a pretzel? Yes, yes, okay.
1: exa- exactly. It's, and it's very delicious, but, you know, well, of
0: course the, you- the, Well, the fa- the very fact that the first word in the food is butter makes <laughs> it sound right. just great.
1: <laughs> well, you pay, and, you know, it's $10 for that butter because then the rest of it's the braid, and then that's another $10. It's, it's really pricey. But that's, okay. I, that's the only time I would ever think about doing a check nowadays. And same with everybody else. I mean, is anyone really- If you're still mailing checks to people to pay pay them, why? You know, you've got all mm-hmm. these options you just talked about.
0: Yeah. I mean, even, and when you do get a check, um, now you, I take a picture of it and I don't even take it into the bank to deposit. So I have all these old checks kind of sitting around there going, (laughs) did I, did I,
1: you need a stamp, you know, boom, (laughs) boom, stamp it right on there.
0: Exactly. You you should be doing that sort of thing. But I'm trying to think last check I got was over a year ago. I mean, Mm -hmm. I don't get paid by any suppliers uh, you know, when I used to speak all the, I used to look forward to the mail, there'd be a bunch of checks in the mail and it was an <laughs> exciting day. And if I didn't have money to pay for something, I go to the, the checks, you know, I'm waiting for some checks to come in. That doesn't <laughs> That's happen. Right. We still wait sometimes for payments to clear the systems.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But I got to tell you, you know, one of, the, one of the, things we didn't, I didn't talk about in this is the, uh, is the, the addictive nature of online business when you're a small business person like us and you're selling a product and especially if you're launching a course or you're mm-hmm. or you're in the middle of some sort of a launch process is all of these systems PayPal and Stripe they will You have notifications turned on. You want to know when money's coming in. So it all integrates with the Apple watch and it integrates with my smartphone. And so you'll get a message, a ping, and you'll see the PayPal logo on the, on the watch. And underneath it'll say, you know, $10 or $19 or 99 or $499. And you know that that money's just rolling into your account. And I got to tell you, that's pretty fun. Is it a little
1: endorphin fix that you get there? It is,
0: it is, it is. And then the next day after the launch is over and now it's, you know, there's no more money coming. it's like, what's the purpose anymore? (laughs) I want some more. Please, sir, may I have some more? And so now I got to start planning the next launch. But there's, there's a, I've never kind of experienced that kind of reward aspect mm-hmm. uh, before, but it's definitely, it's definitely a, a thing which probably promotes ADHD and, <laughs> yeah. and all sorts of things because, you know, you're just constantly being drawn to the fact like, Oh good. I made some money. And, and I always want to say, Shannon, I made money. I made money. She goes, I, I don't care.
1: <laughs> <laughs> She's like, that's great. I dear. just don't care.
0: Are you going to put it in my account? No. Okay. Then I'm I don't care.
1: But you you talk about that and it's so easy. I, I just taught my mom how to use Venmo, and at first she and for anyone listening who's like, oh, I don't know, I gotta uh, it, it, I swear, as soon as you do it and you make a successful transfer of any kind or whatever, you're gonna be hooked. But she was too. She hated Venmo at first, and then as soon as she was able to, like,
0: you got to you've got to again help me. Uh, the butter twists were one thing. What is Venmo?
1: Venmo. Oh, Venmo. Venmo. So Venmo, and I believe, and I'll, I can look this up, it's an offshoot of PayPal, but Venmo is a mobile app and it's a social payment app so that oh. um, if you sign up for Venmo and it can connect to your bank account, connect to your PayPal, whatever, um, it's great for if like, hey, uh, I got you a coffee on the way here. Uh, just Venmo me the money. And so you can Venmo the person saying, here's five bucks. And they put a little coffee emoji saying, this is what's for, for coffee. So, um, people, a lot so of for like
0: splitting the check at dinner, if somebody's paying yes, it online and stuff like but that. But
1: also yeah. people who work on Fiverr and Upwork and things like that are using Venmo for just those quick payments that people can just send are them. They, via is MMO? it
0: very low transaction fees?
1: Uh, I don't pay transaction fees and neither do they. So it's like, as long as you, be, you know, somebody's identity in there, you send them the money. And if it's out of your balance on Venmo, there is no transaction. fee.
0: Oh, there we go. That's good. I like that. That's uh, it's, it's something that have a look at. I know PayPal and uh, not, not PayPal. I know, Uh, Facebook is very, very interested back to the Facebook story in adding that feature into messenger. And they've always, Mark Zuckerberg has always whined a lot about the fact that one of his, his, really his biggest competitor, uh, in, in China has that ability built in. Yeah. Yeah. Is it WeChat? I think it's is WeChat. Yep. Yeah. WeChat I think you're right. has, has the social networking aspect, but it's grown primarily on the back of the transactional nature of, mm-hmm. of that particular social network. And Zuckerberg has always looked with a great deal of envy at that and a lot of consternation and concern too, That's I imagine.
1: So sad for him. I feel bad. Yes.
0: Yeah, my heart, <laughs> my heart is breaking for the Markster. Indeed it is breaking. Well, so you spoke anyways,
1: about, Sorry, sorry, but you no, spoke just, about
0: it. it, it it's it's it is incredible how far we've come in a short yeah. period of time. Now you're going to ask a question.
1: I loved that you brought up the international considerations. It's really oh. easy. Again, you're in Canada and I'm in the United States. I get very myopic when I think, well, I can do it. Why can't everybody? But it's true. There's there's that aspect to it where if you're talking about different currencies and the exchange rates, um, definitely stuff to think about that maybe, you know, you might not realize when you start using some of these online payment tools and then you're like, Oh, oh, crud. So I really love that you painted the picture and let people know what they were in store for. It was yeah, I good.
0: understand. and when you joined us you had not used transferwise yet I believe had you
1: that's correct I, you, you walked me through setting it up and it's amazing
0: yeah and it's and it's and it's a tool you will use when you do your own ventures and you will, you will it's just it just facilitates the the, the, the flow of money which is uh, it has to be a good thing yeah. uh, and it does so it, it always amazes me when I when I when I pay uh, an invoice and uh, they have a transferwise account. And I have the TransferWise account and it transfers X thousands of dollars. doesn't matter how much it is, but it says, and then a little circle fills. And at the end of it, it says cost of transaction zero.
1: Oh, so there's, there's those endorphins penny, again.
0: <laughs> every penny. Well, well, sometimes with certain PayPal systems, I would pay uh, somebody like a team a team member. And it, depending on the, the mechanism, it would take a percentage of the money out of their check. Out of what that's I paid right. them. And I always think, well, that's a... Dick move.
1: That, <laughs> it is,
0: yeah. Nice. You know, for that's me to nice. for me to make you pay for me to pay for you for services, and and so so then we have to kind of make an adjustment. And so I just kind of go, oh, that's not that it doesn't really work too well for me. And but as much as that is is egregious, I I do not like them charging me to send you money either. <laughs> I don't right. appreciate that anymore. So this, if if I can get all of my suppliers to set up. Like even if they won't set up a TransferWise account, I can set up direct deposit into their bank, into mm-hmm. their their normal bank, into any bank in the world through this ACH. Uh, protocols. And it, it takes a little bit of uh, of putting together the proper numbers, but we're getting good at it. And so it, it does the deposit through. And we've occasionally put the wrong numbers in and, and the transactions have all been flagged and the nice. money's been returned to my account. We've never lost any money. Doing That's it really way. great. But it does. It will cost me a small amount to send you money if I'm sending it into your bank account. Still far mm-hmm. cheaper than a, what a wire transfer would be or any of those things. Totally. But if I can get, if we can get all of our suppliers on, into, into TransferWise, there's no cost to us. And that's just a beautiful thing.
1: You heard it here, everyone. Go, go make yourself a WISE account and we'll get y'all, we'll get everybody taken yeah, care of.
0: I it. still call it TransferWise. But WISE. And that, are you ordering one of the cards, the debit cards?
1: I, I totally will, because why not? I mean, look, Steve, they have that jar feature in WISE where you can save up money. I'm going to Japan in four
0: years and oh, that would yeah. be so
1: nice if I could flout around with my little WISE debit card. Why, why,
0: why, why don't you explain it? Because I never mentioned that.
1: Um, so yeah and I love it because as soon as I saw it if y'all saw the movie Up you know how they're like saving the money for them to go on the trip which you know Uh they don't don't wind up making it which is terrible Mm -hmm. but um so I'm not spoiling anything because that movie's been out for a while. But there's a jar feature in Wise. And so it's essentially a savings jar. So you can like just drop and you can set it to say, hey, uh, you can allocate a certain amount of money from each time you get paid. It'll just drop in there. You won't even miss it because it'll just go uh, in automatically. And you can save up for whatever you want to save up for. And
0: that's that's a great system. I, I don't know if you have that book as, is as popular in the States as it was in Canada. But there was a financial planning book when I was a kid growing up called The Web. The barber, and it I've was. I've heard
1: of it. I don't yeah, think I ever in, read it. In,
0: in, in his entire, the entire uh, David Chilton was the guy that wrote it, I believe. And the entire premise was: you pay yourself first. So every time money comes in, you take ten percent, or seven percent, or nine percent, or fifteen percent, and you put it in a special account that you don't touch, and that's what grows. Mm-hmm. And so that facilitates it. And when you do it through electronic means like that, it's far easier. To totally. Use. You don't even notice it after a period of time. So. That's a, that's, a, that's a great little tip. It's a great little tip, one of, the, one of the benefits. Now, listen, it is, I know that people want links to all of the things that we talked about. They are all available if you point your browser to dottotech.com slash 63gray. You will find links to all of the different services that we talked about and the different sites. And my video that we have, we did a video on tra- on Wise, which was at that time called TransferWise. So there's plenty of resources for you to follow up on and also the ability for you there to drop us an email and a message. Let us know what you think, suggestions, and maybe we missed something that you think we should be covering here on the show. So do make sure that you fill it out there. Dottotech.com slash 63 Gray. Rachel, I think that's it let's 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 put this one to bed and we will see you next week
1: i'll see you then and everyone have a great rest of wherever you're spending whatever your time you're doing wow that was really lengthy that
0: was a good that was a good sign off until (laughs) next week i'm steve dotto have fun storming a castle
1: Think it'll work? It would take a miracle.